and welcome to Access All Areas with Dermot and Felicity. I'm my way access, Dermot Dafflin, and with me always is the chronically fabulous Felicity McKee. This week we're going to be exploring a wide range of topics such as Carers' Rights Day, the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, as well as a recent controversy with a well-known singer known as Sia. These are certainly some good discussions we're going to have now, so uh, we will start with the first discussion, uh, Carers' Day Felicity, so uh, maybe you could fill in our listeners what uh, Carers' Day is all about and we'll have a little chat about that then. So Carers' Rights Day was held recently, so it's on the 26th of November, and whether you're a new carer or you've been caring for someone for a while, it's really important that you understand your rights and that you're able to access support that is available to you as soon as you need it or basically whenever you need it, Um, so maybe in advance of when you need it. And sometimes having these things in place ahead of time is really, really important too, so you don't get to a point where you need that support, you can't find that support, and it's really, really difficult. Uh, many people are taking on more caring responsibilities for relatives and friends who are disabled or ill, or even just older, uh, and who need support. And this is happening every year, we're seeing a rise in this. So each year, Carers' Rights Day is a day when it helps carers know and become aware of their rights, lets them know of places where they can get help and support, and raises awareness of the needs of carers. So this year, the theme of Carers' Rights Day, ironically enough, was know your rights. And so a recent survey of nearly 6,000 carers found that four in five unpaid carers are providing more care for relatives. Um, 78% reported that the needs of the person they care for have increased during the pandemic and two-thirds are worried about how they will cope further with uh, future lockdowns or restrictions. So carers really need to know their rights uh, regardless of where they are on their caring journey Um, and so whether they are in the workplace or in a healthcare setting or interacting with professionals or at home knowing your rights is really essential and so Carers Rights Day which is run by Carers UK is there to empower carers with information and support and it allows them to really feel confident knowing what to ask for and who to ask and where to get that support. And, you know, it's really important that carers know how to challenge things, especially when their rights aren't being met. And so Carers UK have actually uh, created a guide specifically on this, and it's called Looking After Someone Guide, and we will be linking it after the show. But if you miss Carers Rights Day um, this week, you can find out a lot more about it um, on Carers UK, and they have wide ranges of information in different formats to help you find out more information and Carers UK also have a helpline which is 0808 808 7777 that's Monday to Friday 9 to 6 p.m and they're a really friendly bunch able to help you navigate what can be a very very difficult system to try and figure out on your own at the best of times Um, and I think it's really important to reflect on the work that carers do because a lot of the time they go forgotten and overlooked and carers are a really, really important part of um, society. But also as disabled people, they're a really part, important part of our community. No, well, I would definitely agree with you there because like, I would be quite friendly with a lot of carers, you know, from that maybe we would look after other disabled people online and, you know, in person as well. And, you know, I just want to pick up on a little point that you had raised there that, you know, while uh, disabled people don't have a voice, we do we, we are getting the mechanism in place that we can be heard in government, you know, whether it's national government or local government or with own organisations. But carrot voices seem to be left behind. And because of that, there they seem to be left out of the conversation. As I always explain to people when I when I do debate these things in in local government and Stormont and places like that, there is you know the carrot voices need to be heard too because they do add an, an extra dimension to the disability voice or the disabled voice. You know because they're coming from a, a different perspective from us, and they can add like a new narrative. You know to something that you know we mightn't be aware of because we're sort of. I want to be better back in, in, the, in the middle of the eye of the storm with the, the carers are actually there providing the support from us so they can see things from a, a new perspective or a new dimension. 
But as well as that, they're, you know, it's not just about looking after us and protecting us. You know, they need to have their voices there heard to protect themselves as well and make sure that they have all access to the needs and resources and support that they, they need and they, they absolutely should have as a, as a basic human rights. So um, obviously we're covering a lot about carers and about how they generally get overlooked. And I think um, one of the ways we could look at that is carers allowance. So with carers allowance, it's money for people who spend at least 35 hours a week providing regular care to a disabled person. And that disabled person has to be accessing a relevant benefit because of their disability. Um, and sometimes this benefit has to be paid at a certain rate. So you may be providing care for someone, but you may not be able to access um, carers allowance. And in fact, carers allowance is only £67.25 a week. And that's for 35 hours work. That's really low. That's way less than minimum wage. And also, if you, um, was it you don't have to be related or live with the person you care for to get it, but um, was it you are not allowed to earn more than £128 a week to get carers allowance. So it generally keeps people in poverty, unfortunately, and it doesn't recognise the work. I mean, 35 hours worth of work for £67.25 is ridiculous. Well, I always knew it was low. But I just never knew it was just below the poverty line. And that's just, I mean, it's a joke. It, it is it is a complete joke. Um, and it's, it's really difficult because, um, so for example, if you have someone who provides caring uh, responsibilities to you, but they happen to go out to work, they can't qualify because they earn over a certain amount of money. So over the £128 a week. And so um, say if you have a loving partner who at the weekends or in the evenings is providing up to 35 hours worth of work, you know, of caring in a week, they they can't get this additional money to cover the additional expenditure. And like we've already covered, uh, you know, in the disability price tag, that I think it's over £500 on average that most disabled people spend in excess a month just to exist in this world, because it is structured in such a way that we have additional expenses. And yet those who are providing care and support and like one of the other issues is like if getting uh, personal assistance and stuff like this, you're paying someone, you are becoming an employer just to have support in place. And these things cost money and there is support out there to do it, but it's difficult. Well, that's, I mean, something needs to be done, but um, maybe I should discuss like, if anybody listening to the podcast who is a carer, please um, comment either on myself or Felicity's Twitter or on Facebook, just to let us know, you know, what obstacles do you face as a, as a carer or what would you like to see the government do? And we will read some of these comments out at the next, com- at the next podcast, because it is very important that your, that your views are vocalised, you know, and we want our podcast to be a portal for you to share your views, you know, because you know, we, we are open for everybody and we want to create a conversation that can make the changes for you as a carer or any other aspect of the in the disability or disabled sector. Yeah, and like sixty-seven pounds twenty-five. If you divide it by thirty-five, it's about one pound one pound ninety-two per hour, which is ridiculous as an hourly rate. Like there is there is no way there's no way that that like that's not appalling. That is a disgrace. And I think most carers who would be listening will know this they will know how frustrating it is that they do not get um, their actions recognized. But, you know, if we think about the cost of getting um, carers in or uh, maybe going for respite care and stuff like that, it's really expensive. So like the care that people are providing as a carer is worth an awful lot more And if we think about the overall system and like, not that it should come down to economics, but sometimes those in power don't care unless you show them the numbers and even then not necessarily. But if we were to actually consider the amount that um, health and social institutions save through carers going unpaid in this way is a lot. And I think some of the savings that they're getting should go to carers um, because they need more recognition, but they definitely need paid a lot more for the work that they're doing. 
as I say, as you say, the early rates, like it not only is it immoral in my age, but I can't, I can't see and I can't understand how it's not illegal. It's not illegal because the government have set it like that. That's They're true. the ones that make the laws. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, you know, you've certainly opened my eyes there and you're bad, but, it, you know, it's quite shocking how bad it is. But I wouldn't invite now, like, all different carers, you know, please get in touch with us and you know, leave comments on our Twitter uh, underneath the uh, podcast post. And we will we will read out and share your views next week. And, you know, if anybody's involved in sort of any council or government level, we can take these views to them to meetings as well and make sure that your voices are heard, not just here in the podcast, but where it really matters. But I think now what we can do is we'll take a little short break and we will come back and we will chat about the International Day of Persons with Disabilities. So if you want to get the kettle on, and we will see you after this short little break. Um, Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little tea break. Now we're going to be discussing the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, which falls on this Thursday, which is the start of December. And ironically, it's also my birthday, but so I'll be 41, so I'll be an old man, so I'm in my 40s, and Felicity is in their 20s, so it's very sad. <laughs> well, not for, yeah, not, I, I, not for long. I will be soon joining the 30 Club. <laughs> well, still very my 40s. <laughs> But uh, this year, the uh, International Day of Persons with Disabilities theme is not all disabilities are visible. So on the 3rd of December this year, during the annual celebration of people with disabilities, the 2020 theme is not all disabilities are visible, which also focused on the spreading of awareness and understanding of disabilities that are not immediately apparent, such as mental health, illness, chronic pain, fatigue, sight or hearing impairment, diabetes, brain injury, neurological disorders, learning differences, and cognitive dysfunction, among other other items. According to the World Health Organization uh, report on disability, 15% of the world's population, or more than 1 billion people, are living with a disability. Of this number, it is estimated that 450 million are living with a mental or neurological conditions, and two-thirds of these people will not seek professional medical help, likely due to stigma, discrimination, or neglect. Another 69 million individuals are estimated to uh, sustain traumatic brain injuries each year worldwide, while one in 160 children are also identified on the uh, on the autism spectrum. These are just some of the examples of the millions of people currently living with a disability that are not immediately apparent, and as a reminder of importance of removing barriers for all people living with disabilities, both visible and invisible. And during the COVID pandemic, isolation, dis- disconnect, and disruptive routine, and diminished services have greatly impacted the lives and mental well-being of people with disabilities right across the world. Spreading awareness of invisible disabilities as well as these potential detrimental. And it is not always apparent impact on mental health. It is crucial that the world continue to fight against the virus. So this is basically the themes of this year's uh, International Day of Persons with Disability. Now, firstly, uh, most of my uh, uh, disabilities would be classified as uh, visible, but you would sort of maybe fall under a lot of categories with the hidden disability, which is the theme of this year. So as somebody who would have quite a lot of hidden disability, how would you find the world and how do you find this uh, celebration this year to highlight it? So you you and I already know that I prefer to use disabled person over person with disabilities but I don't mind people using whatever term they choose for themselves and I I choose disabled person because of the social model um so 
yeah so like it it is it is a uh, a yearly event and this is the language that is used and i don't begrudge anyone for using that language but the language between disabled person and person with disability is based on the medical and social model which we've covered in, in previous episodes so it's generally a different perspective of how to view disability um but as someone with hidden disabilities i think it's especially notable to mention them this year given that there is a pandemic and that people with hidden disabilities are facing a lot of discrimination if they are mask exempt and can't wear a mask or they struggle to wear a mask and there has been a lot of issues for people uh, feeling anxious about going out to the shops or going out um so an example of that would be um people online saying things like well if you're high risk or if you can't wear a mask then maybe you should just stay at home as if you don't have the right to live a life and to go out and about but also hidden disabilities can come in in well they come in many different shapes and sizes but the barriers that you face because something isn't necessarily immediately noticeable it can be a lot more difficult to to get those needs met sometimes but at the same time you know regardless of whether it's hidden or not there's barriers that everybody is facing they're just different barriers and different things that you have to navigate around um so one of the other ones would be is that sometimes if you say have a stoma bag and you need to use the disabled toilet sometimes people are afraid to do that because they're afraid that they'll get looks or judged coming out because people have this perception about what a disabled person looks like when actually um wheelchair users i think they're about five percent of the disabled community it's between 10 and five percent the vast majority of disabled people are, are not wheelchair users they may use no, the mobility they, they aid, seem, but there seem to be the public perception that uh, you know like i am a wheelchair user myself but hello we as you say we're like we're in a very low percentage of what it is to be a disabled person but we do seem to be uh quote-unquote the poster boy yeah um, and like I am an ambulatory wheelchair user, um, I can see my wheelchair right from where I'm recording my podcast and I have it uh, pimped out with nice rainbow spokes and stuff like that. And it's electric blue. It is secondhand and it's not perfect, but it does the job. But I think it's very notable just this year with hidden disabilities. And one of the other issues I've seen is a lot of fear around the sunflower lanyard losing its meaning. And uh, there have been groups on Facebook who have been burning sunflower lanyards and I think sometimes their intention is well-meaning in that they're worried that it's being abused even though the abuse of the sunflower lanyard scheme in regards to masks is most likely very very low um, but I think sometimes the way people are going about it is only furthering some of the issues that people with hidden disabilities are facing when they go out because people then assume that people with this this lanyard must be faking and faking is something that the disabled community historically have had to deal with you know the idea of not being disabled enough or um, even, the uh, right even sort my, of disabled but even as myself as a wheelchair user i've been three foot three you know i'm quite what you would call possibly able Visibly disabled, you know, you can't not notice that. But even I have been on occasion, have been accused of faking it. Yeah. You know, as if to, to say that I am, I'm over exaggerating my disability to get certain aspects of life. So, so it, it's not just an aspect of people who are, have had disabilities that they're accused of faking it, you know. Anybody with a disability, uh, you can guarantee at some point in their life, on multiple occasions, have been accused of faking it. But people don't understand what it is to be disabled. Yeah, and you know, it's it's exhausting at times. And I think people don't realise that um, if I could, you know, live without being in pain all the time, um, I would easily swap my blue badge um, to not be in pain all the time. You know, uh, like I remember when I was redoing my PIP and I was sort of, you know, I was hopeful that either I had stayed the same 
or I had got slightly better you know in the back of my head I was like that would be that would be the ideal you know it either hasn't got worse or I've got better or not like 100% better but you know like I've started to improve and I got there and the GP went oh you'll have no issues this time you've got worse and I was like I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing he's like well it means you're guaranteed to get your PIP. And I was like, yeah, but I've got worse. Can we can we focus on the thing? Because I think people think that we're all in it for like, you know, these benefits are absolutely amazing and they're they're brilliant. But like, we've already covered the additional costs that you have to deal with as a disabled person. You know, it's not like you're getting free handouts and it's just free money that you can use as you want. That money goes towards just living and being able to exist in society. And you know I always remember that moment because I think the GP was like oh this is really good news and I was like is it is it like my bones are slowly turning to dust I can emphasize something you just said a little earlier we were saying about chronic pain now I myself as I've said on numerous occasions in the podcast even in this way podcast a few moments ago myself like I'm three foot tall I pretty much use the wheelchair permanently when I'm moving. You know, it's very little, you know, if I'm, where I'm moving out of it, it's just a transfer from one chair to the next or from the bed. So that, that's basically when I'm not in the wheelchair. But, uh, and I've accepted that. I mean, I have no issues of being, you know, three foot tall and I've no issues being in the wheelchair and stuff like that. It's the hidden but that I would love to just get rid of. And it, it's not really, a, you know, the hidden bit for me is the chronic pain. Mm-hmm. If I could get that with that, if I could get rid of the chronic pain, you know, I would be a happy mom. Yeah. And I think people don't really understand chronic pain um, very well either. So like, I, I always find pain charts very difficult because they're like, we're between one and 10 and I have two scores and it's either I'm managing this or this is no longer manageable. I am now very grumpy. Please, I need painkillers. Um, and that's because, you know, I, I have painkillers that keep everything on a, you know, a nice level keel and occasionally there's breakthrough pain. Um, but again, it's like what people aren't seeing when um, we're doing this podcast, because obviously this isn't a, a visual medium. I have a little squidgy banana toy that I'm stimming with as we're doing the podcast. And like, that's part of my autism. And people don't see these things and they don't understand. And so like, um, sometimes the way the hidden becomes visible is the fire alarms go off in halls all the time. So we have kind of like a go thing beside the door so we have a key and I always make sure the phone is with me in case we get locked out but I have some ear protectors as well um, which I keep beside our masks for whenever we have to evacuate anytime someone burns pizza which is surprisingly often um, because I find it very difficult with the noise of the fire alarms and it can be very overwhelming and so that's one way something that's um, hidden becomes visible but you know, a lot of the times I get people going, well, you don't look autistic or you don't look dyslexic or you don't look like you, you know, you're disabled. And it's really frustrating because like there is no look like if you said that to any other community, they'd be like, well, you don't look like whatever. I'm like, I'm sorry, we come in all different shapes and sizes. In fact, you know, disability and being disabled is one of the the more inclusive things because anyone can become disabled uh, at any point. You know, this is not something that, uh, like, obviously people are born with it, some people acquire it, but like every single person, you know, in all different shapes and sizes can become disabled. And I think people people forget that. Really, that, and it's, and like I've known, I've known a couple of people over the years um, who have acquired a disability and become disabled themselves. And the first thing they would see to you once they've said it, Except that this is what their life's going to be, is I didn't realize the obstacles you faced there, much. Yeah. And you, you just look at them and you go, well, I did tell you. But <laughs> that's the thing, because until you're there and you live through that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to comprehend, but it just, just takes a little bit of empathy. It's just to, you know, if you, if you find yourself going to quickly judge somebody, just step back five seconds and just think about it before you see what you're going to say or think of what you're going to think. Because as you say, the, the disability is a wide, is a wide umbrella with many different colors, many different types of people. You know, you know, it's not a one foot, one model for everybody. Again, and it's a very welcoming community too because there's new members coming every day and we welcome them all. 
Yeah, and you know, I think that's one of the things when people think about disability, they generally think of certain imagery and they think of maybe particular access issues. But obviously this year, the theme is invisible and um, a lot of, of access issues can be invisible. So like people don't maybe see the fight that you have to do to access certain healthcare or, you know, the ongoing issues or the, you know, they might be aware of long waiting lists, but they don't see the impact that that, that has on people. Um, so for example, um, with me, I'm going I finally got onto a waiting list. I'm going for reconstructive dentistry. I have no idea what they're going to do. I may be about to lose some teeth. We'll find out. But like, if you were to look at me and my teeth from the outside, you may not realize that I, I need to have reconstructive dentistry and it's down to the impact of multiple health issues and different medications that I've taken. That's an invisible thing. Um, the, the ironic thing is, um, if you actually look at my teeth, you'd be thinking, God, they are awful teeth. But that's down to do with the mucopolysaccharide markers that I have. But ironically, my dancer says that they are actually one of the strongest teeth he's actually come across in his, his practice. So ironically, your teeth, you say your teeth look good, but aren't. Mm -hmm. My teeth look awful, yet they're good. So it's just another example. Don't judge the book by its cover. Yeah, and I think, like... I mean, you know, recently that I, I've had to be going back and forth for lots of treatment and fillings. And because lockdown happened, I couldn't get my regular treatment that I get at the dentist, which kind of keeps things fine, which is probably why I'm going for the reconstructive dentistry now. Thank you, COVID. Um, but for me, I find teeth and sometimes external markers of disability, um, specifically the teeth, because like I don't mind my walking stick. I don't mind... Um, I don't mind my wheelchair, but my teeth for me are, are a funny area because when I have um, dental issues, I find it quite anxiety inducing um, and quite worrying. And it can it can impact like my diet and impact everything because my anxiety can be quite overwhelming about this. But for me, it's a very external sign that your insides are struggling. And, you know, I think generally I manage to keep a nice lid on things. So like I do appear externally disabled. That's not an issue. I go around, I live my life. Everybody's like, oh, everything's fine. But sometimes when my teeth decide that they're not having, you know, a good day and like I lose all my fillings in one day and like it's noticeable when I lose them, it's suddenly very visible that things are not not going well. And mm. for me, it is a really external sign. And, you know, I am aware that people with some of my health issues do lose their teeth. And it is it is a concern that I have because, you know, I have other external signs that say this person is disabled. But for some reason, teeth are a real issue for me. And I don't know why. Mind you, when I did radiography, I always find that if someone had like injuries to like their fingers or their toes or ears or eyes, that was an issue. But if you if you lost your arm, like if your arm was chopped off for some reason that was fine not an issue there it's the small things so I think it just is translating over to the teeth because like I I don't mind other things but for some reason the teeth are a, a real hang up um which is which is strange but like it's one of the ways that you know um things can become visible and I think um disabilities are one of those things that they can fluctuate between visible and invisible so say Dermot if you were sitting in a chair and not your wheelchair someone may not know that you're a wheelchair user um, and you know there, there might be assumptions and then when you use a wheelchair it becomes visible that you are a wheelchair user and so these fluctuations of hidden and visible I think are something that a lot of disabled people experience and it can happen in different ways. So like if you're on a dating site and you put up a photograph and you, you know, you're doing Tinder or Grindr or whatever you're on and um, people maybe don't realize that you have a disability until you meet. And so like you're navigating all these different sort of barriers and assumptions and, and things. And it's just, it's difficult. And I don't think people, people realize that because you're not just dealing with institutional and structural barriers. You're dealing with like, the assumptions of other people um you know where they're like it's really good to see someone like you out and about oh you're oh, on the bus that. i get i get that a lot <laughs> but uh, one aspect that we were talking about uh, hidden disabilities is actually a thing that i'm going to be working on this week was crack na you know some, some of the things about disabilities we, we covered at the beginning you know whether it's about you know mental health or learning or 
chronic illness or fatigue. But um, particularly here now in the north of Ireland, you know, it could be different across the UK or in the south of Ireland. Uh, whenever you think of um, people from other cultures, you know, whether from Asia or Eastern, Middle East or different places, um, people seem to forget or don't realize that these people as well also have can be disabled. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about the narrative here and you're talking about people who are disabled, um, they, the other people with different from different cultures seem to be forgotten about. So my way access, um, Crack and I have come together to do a, a Zoom seminar on Wednesday night, the 2nd of December. It's uh, in Disabilities, Disability Cultural Diversity Webinar. So we're just going to be chatting about the different types of culture that exist here in Ireland or in the north of Ireland and, you know, people with disabilities or mm -hmm. disabled people. But uh, I'm actually going to be uh, interviewing uh, a young woman from Malaysia, Rachel Sue, and she happens to have the same disability as I have, mucopolysaccharide molecules disease. Such a long name for such a short person. But uh, so we're, we're just going to be chatting a little bit about what it's like to have more fuel. But then, you know, what is the difference being raised in two different countries about how the government and how the people interact with us? So it'll be a nice little discussion, which will be part of the event on the 2nd of December. Mm -hmm. But uh, there will be other uh, artists and it'll be covering things like pump arts, the sports, and different aspects as well. So there are going to be representatives from Japan. And as I say, Malaysia and Dubai. So it's going to be a wide of topics. So um, I'm going to link them on the podcast. So please register on the event page and, and do come because it is going to be a, a wonderful event. And what's great as well, it's going to be free. But yeah. uh, see, these events are sort of all coming online now this year because of uh, COVID. Yeah, and I think one of the main things, or at least a theme that we've had throughout this is is issues of visibility. And so we've had carers not being visible and not being recognised, but also we're dealing with issues of visibility when it comes to International Day of the Person with Disabilities as well this year. And I think while we are talking about hidden disabilities, I think the issue of, of hidden issues around disability impacts regardless of whether you have a hidden disability or not. Um, there are overlaps overlapping issues there and I think it's a really important thing to explore because the issues with visibility aren't just that a person has a hidden disability it's about the assumptions that we have in society um, and I think you know what you're doing with Crack and I is going to be really good about breaking down assumptions but also having discussions and building bridges. So it is essentially something that I'm very excited to be a part of and as you know, I'm doing a course was back in a level three cultural awareness training. So this this is actually my first project was them as a almost trainer. So it's a state to be part of this. And you know, not only does it it's actually brought my horizon up my age or some of the things that maybe I've been sort of regretful now to have overlooked. But again, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good learning curve for everybody. So this is going to be on Zoom on um, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And it only lasts for an hour. So, but it'll be a lot to be done to it. But uh, I'm also going to be involved with another project with uh, Banana and Oma District Council as well. Now, I won't actively be taking part in it. But, uh, you know, but as the uh, vice chairperson of the Banana and Oma District Council's Disability Advisory Group, you know, it would have a bit of an, an input to it. This is actually going to be run over a course of several days, which will be running from Thursday the sort of December, which is the uh, actually the um, International Day of Person with Disability. And it's going to run to the following Thursday, the 10th of December. So we're going to be covering a lot of different aspects, you know, sort of um, with the mental health uh, during the pandemic. You know, and that's going to be run by Professor Siobhan O'Neill, who is the Northern Ireland Mental Health Champion. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be doing seminars on how to cope with anxiety. So as you were saying earlier in the podcast, that, 
you might have a brother from Friday with the taste, and then mm. you're going to be going to get that. That might be something you might be interested in attending. So it's not necessarily has to be something part of the, the council area. So please feel if you feel that anxiety is something that's getting to you, especially when you go in your case, Felicity, coming up to this dental treatment. That might be something that can maybe give you the, the tips or the, the skills to the, get you through this, this level. Mm-hmm. And then on the Friday, there's going to be a brain injury awareness for Headway, which is a brain injury association. And then there's going to be some uh, food and mood. So it's a, a workshop on how to uh, work with food to make you feel and how eating can make you feel better. And then the following week, there's going to be certain more more events such as overcoming communi- communication barriers during COVID. And then the RNIB, seeing differently, is going to have a, a workshop uh, on visual impairment, where they're going to be illustrating the day-to-day barriers of blind and partially sighted people. And again, there's going to be more on learning disability awareness from MENCAP. And uh, the deaf and blind on Ireland are going to one of my one-hour interactive session, you know, providing information to raise awareness and how to make services more accessible for the deaf blind community. And then there's going to be on Wednesday an autism strategy, which will be uh, run by uh, by the Department of Health. And then there's going to be a Q&A session with the Western Health and Social Care Trust. And then, again on Wednesday night afternoon, there's going to be an event run by Autism Awareness, the Positive Future. And then to care, do run the end of the day, on the 30th, there's going to be, which we highlighted earlier in the podcast, Support for Care. So Care at NA is going to be providing a workshop, you know, tell people who they are, let carers know what facts and figures are available out there. You know, maybe we're going to be talking about the carers learn and credit and try to raise awareness for carers in the council area. And then to end the session, there's going to be a seminar run by the Onsite Project, which is part of Disability Action. So it's going to be a full event for a full week here in the Kermana Nomadistic Council. So I'm going to drop the links Below on the podcast. And if anybody is interested in attending any of these events, you can contact the, uh, the council on the, the telephone, which is 0300 303 1777, or you can email them at disability at bananaoma.com. Again, we'll drop that out on all into the links below. So that's just an example of some of the events that will be running this week. And as well as that, I'm going to be running another seminar as well on the 3rd of December with the um, Business and Community Northern Ireland. I don't know if you're familiar with them. A little bit. They provide uh, support and services and provide training for businesses in Northern Ireland, you know, just to make them more involved in the community. Mm-hmm. So they've asked me to give them a, a half an hour seminar on the Purple Pound. So I will be talking to plenty of businesses and telling them how important it is to cater for disabled people here and how important the Purple Pound is, not just for us, but to their business. Because after all, we do contribute £276 billion annually. So it's up to the businesses to cater for us if they want to survive, especially now in the COVID pandemic. Well, I do have a quite a busy schedule coming up this week. Oh, you have an even busier schedule when you think about the fact that you have stuff with Cronfab, because between Chronically Fabulous and My Way Access, we are hosting Netflix watch parties between now and Christmas. We've already had the Christmas Chronicles and Jingle Jangle, and we have things like uh, Princess Switch and the uh, Christmas prints and stuff like that coming up too. And so those are every Wednesday, Friday and Saturday night from now till Christmas. And all you need is a Netflix account and an extension installed on your browser. And all the instructions are on the event page. 
which are all chronically fabulous, but I think they should be visible maybe from my way access because you are a co-host. And um, basically the idea being that you can watch a movie and have a chat box where you can chat to people about the movie live as it's happening. So bring your popcorn, bring tea, coffee, whatever it is, and uh, join some watch parties because we set them up specifically because we were conscious that people have been shielding and are self-isolating and a lot of people are not getting home at Christmas. And so it's a difficult time of year. And so this is a small way to spread some festive cheer. Now we're going to take another little short break. And we're going to come back now with a, after a break about, a little bit about uh, disabled representation in the arts and uh, a recent controversy which has arisen on Twitter. But we'll cover more about that after our little chapter break. So we will see you in just a few moments. And welcome back. Now we're going to have a little discussion about a recent controversy regarding a singer called Sia. So Felicity, if you'd like to inform our listeners what has been happening on Twitter this last couple of weeks. Yeah, so Sia is a well-known um, singer and songwriter who recently released a trailer for uh, sort of like a short movie music video called Music. And it was released recently uh, to a wave of controversy and has led to a lot of frustration and anger amongst autistic people and other disabled campaigners because, well, it would be too simplistic to say that it's solely because that the key role was being played by a non-disabled dancer, which is Maddie Ziegler, who is famous for being in a lot of Sia's music videos and productions. But the other issue was Sia claimed that she had sought advice about the film and she had done this via Autism Speaks, which has historically uh, a not great organisation that has been criticised by disabled people as being exploitative, damaging and offensive uh, in how it uses its funding tactics and campaign goals and basically exploitative of autistic people. Uh, Autism Speaks generally sees autistic people as a burden and I am generalizing here but as a rule that is how they are coming across and um, they've also discussed things like cure and they have a history of going back to certain treatment methods which are not great. They also tend to promote ABA, which a lot of people consider to be abusive because um, it basically prevents autistic people from stimming. So it tries to make an autistic person appear more normative as in uh, as in not autistic. So if they have any behaviors or signs that they are um, autistic, they try to dampen those down. So like they would say that a person isn't allowed to stim, which can cause more distress and be upsetting. But basically, uh, Sia cast a non-disabled actor in the lead role, got involved with Autism Speaks um, and said that the experience of trying to cast an autistic actor was unpleasant and stressful. And so that she had decided to cast Ziegler because this would be more compassionate. And like, this is really problematic because there's plenty of autistic actors out there. And in fact, the uh, National Autistic Society said that Sia had got it wrong because they had a bunch of talented autistic actors out there who had starred in uh, their autism TMI films. And in fact, there was an actor who is um, quite vocal on Twitter about the issues that they faced as a disabled person in the acting industry and that they, they feel like they've been discriminated on the grounds of their autism. And um, they tweeted, and I'm quoting, several autistic actors, myself included, responded to these tweets. We have all said we could have acted in it on short notice. These excuses are just that, excuses. The fact that the matter is zero effort was made to include anyone who is not actually autistic. Nothing about us without us. And that's from Helen Z on Twitter. And Sia responded to this by saying, maybe you're just a bad actor. Yes, I, it's, I have seen that response. And, you know, I was quite, I was quite angry with that because, you know, I, you could almost forgive Sia for her initial reaction of casting somebody to do with ignorance and not understanding, you know, and this could have been a learning curve for her to understand going forward. But when she came out and responded that, responded the way she did, you know, it, it showed that she hadn't learned anything. She didn't understand what it is to be a disabled actor. 
um, she didn't understand what it means for true representation. And for me, that just just could have been an important lesson, not just for her, but for many other singers or writers or a lot of my television produ production companies. But it was lost. And I had also seen that um, Star Trek's William Shatner got involved too at one stage. And he, he was shouting down anybody who was disabled or who, uh, was, who had autism that they were wrong and that autism speaks is the true voice. And he was, he, he actually by language on a few occasions regarding it. I think I think the problem is that at least in the US, Autism Speaks appears to have a lot of supposed moral authority, and it's why people still light it up blue over here in the UK. You'll see a lot of events where they light it up blue, and that comes from Autism Speaks, and like um, you know, Autism Speaks, uh, which until 2016 included the search for a cure for autism in its mission statement, because apparently autistic people need cured and um you know it's been looking into solutions for autism it fundraises for research in the prevention of autistic people existing which is basically eugenics you know autism speaks not a great organization to link in with and it's she you know the thing is sia is actually a disabled person as well um sia has previously spoken about her own long-term health conditions her experiences of mental distress and insisted on Twitter that she had cast 13 neurotypical, neuroatypical people to play other roles in the film and that it was a beautiful film with meaningful intentions and does more good than harm. Um, and again, you know, it's not simply that people are upset that she hasn't cast an autistic actor in the role and that she was really arrogant and dismissive to an autistic actor who, who actually um, had spoken to her on Twitter, it's it's so much more than that because the actual trailer, and granted we are judging on a trailer, does appear to be, it does appear problematic in how it's presenting the disabled character, almost as if they're inspiring because they're disabled, as if the people in the short film are learning from being around a disabled person because we're a tool for them to grow and become better people. And, you know, there's- Trope. Yeah, trope. and and you know there are non-verbal autistic people who could have played the role, and it's it's just it's really problematic because you know you can't go home and just take off you know being disabled. It's not a costume; that is a, a real lived experience, and there's not enough actual autistic representation out there, you know. And when there is, it's not going to actually autistic people who are being marginalized and disenfranchised in, you know, in a lot of these communities when it comes to like um, getting acting roles and things. But Sia's response was just really aggressive, really problematic and, you know, didn't seem to understand why people might have had an issue. And I can understand if you've put a lot of love and passion into something and you've done years of research. But if she has done years of research, then she clearly has seen that Autism Speaks is not an organization that autistic people feel represents them. It is mainly an organization for uh, the parents of autistic children who are seeking out cures, see uh, being autistic as a tragedy or as a burden. Um, and it's, it's just, it has a really problematic history, a really problematic past, and it's, it's really disappointing to see this from Sia because there's so many layers to it from the bad responses on Twitter to the dismissive nature that it would it was um, more sympathetic um, and it was easier just to cast you know a, a non-disabled actor and that it would have been basically cruel to to cast someone who is autistic what she means there is it would have been cruel to cast someone like me who has acting experience and like here I am on a podcast chatting to you you know I have acting experience. I've been on film sets. I, you know, it's not cruel to cast an autistic person, especially when that autistic person is an actor and is seeking work. And to respond to someone and just say that maybe you're a bad actor, what they're saying basically is, you know, the reason you're not getting work is because you're a bad actor, not because there's systemic problems within the, you know, the system that discriminate against disabled people, which there are. And, you know, 
it's just it's problematic because it does fall into at least from the trailer and from what we've seen and from all that Sia has said about it an example of someone being pitied there to make the other protagonists feel better and is basically inspiration porn and you Uh, know Sia could have done better far better in fact uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the actor Michael Rapport you're probably Uh, familiar maybe he does all these uh, shitty swear videos of Donald Trump over the last few years but he um, he actually is on a Netflix Netflix series called A Typical Mm -hmm. he plays the father of you know, it was that child, um, a child. Like, it's, I think it's a very good show and, you know, portrayed quite well. Now, unfortunately, the, the child actor um, isn't disabled, so that will be my one issue with it. But this guy, Michael, he got involved with this conversation too. So he said, should real mobsters play mobsters? Should real boxers play boxers? Who's really going to play Batman? And I just thought, well, I can't let him away with us. I did tell him we played, and he never, he never answered me. But I got a lot of, got a lot of positive responses from disabled people and from uh, autistic people from us. But what I would say to was, Michael, I have a lot of respect for you as an actor and a person, but you're way, we're way off the mark here. It's about true representation, and we need to see yourself represented. Your point is for two years. Boxers and mobsters can take a day off. Disabled people can't. Plus, I am Batman. (laughs) And that was my tweet, though. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's really important because that we have that representation. But, like, regardless of whether C's intentions were good, her response has been really bad. But as an autistic person, it's really tiring to see other people tell your story, usually in a really offensive way, and they do it over and over again. But there's never an opportunity for you to actually tell your own story. It's always taken by non-disabled people and presented in a way to make them feel better. And, you know, what's really sad is that instead of listening, and I, I understand if you get thousands of tweets and it feels like you're being attacked some people do get defensive but I do feel that Sia's response was really bad because she said some really cruel things to disabled people who were raising valid points about what she was doing and also you know asking why she had worked with Autism Speaks because someone who has done research for three years apparently in the making of this this film should have known that Autism Speaks does not speak for the autistic community. Um, It's just, it looks really bad. And like maybe people who are non-disabled looking in don't understand this, but in the disabled community, we see this time and time and time again, and it is exhausting and it is frustrating. And, you know, obviously when we, we talk about different issues, there are different historical issues and there are different specific issues when it comes to um, other marginalized groups having people pretending to be them and representing them, right? Very specific, different issues. Not the same thing at all. But, you know, in other areas, we have come to a point where we agree that it is wrong for certain people to play certain roles because, you know, they have to basically dress up or paint themselves to be that when they're not. And, you know, I can't, like, I can't stress how much they are specifically different issues. But it's the fact that other marginalized groups, you know, we've got to a point where we've had these discussions and I feel like we're starting out on that road. And it's 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 different discussions that we're having and different issues. But there is some overlap, but it's just so frustrating because we just want to see accurate representation because the thing is when someone dresses up or pretends to be autistic they fall into stereotypes they fall into tropes and a lot of the time what you see is you see a white person who is autistic you don't see people of color who are autistic you know you generally see a white man who is autistic and like the autism criteria is based like the the original research is based off male figures it's you know that's why it's so hard for women to get diagnosed as autistic but we're not seeing well, we are seeing supposedly a female autistic person in, in Sia's video. But again, it's not an actual autistic person. It's someone pretending to be. But it's that representation. It doesn't just start at having a disabled person. It starts at having a wide variety of disabled people. So we need to have queer and people of color and, and, and you know, just 
a variety of people because that reflects the variety that is in our community. That's all we're um, asking. Again, I kind of bring back to the to the webinar that I'm doing on Wednesday night with Crack and A. You know, it's just to show different varieties of disabled people. You know, it, we're not just white CSA males. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, again, that's important actually. But I think we'll maybe end that now and see it. But I would like to hear maybe some feedback on Twitter underneath the post, you know, whether it's on Felicity or mine, on Twitter or Facebook. You know, are you a disabled actor? Do you find it difficult to get work? You know, whether it's in the film, music, or liturgy, whatever it might be, even as a, a model. You know, what bars do you have to face, you know, because of your disability? You know, are you discriminated against because of your disability? Because we want to hear your views and we want to air them on the next podcast. So please just drop a little line underneath and tell us the difficulties that you face. And we will see you after the break we'll just to finish off the podcast. So time to get the kettle on and get that third cup of tea or hot chocolate. And welcome back. In the last podcast, we had we were speaking about COVID and us. So, what it's like, you know, for somebody who is disabled, living through the COVID pandemic. Maybe who are isolating, and maybe have to venture out into the real world, you know, for whatever the, the important or urgent reasons are. So, we did ask her to tweet back about the experiences. So, we did get a, a tweet from uh, a guy called the Borg. So I, I believe Felicity, that is uh, some sort of Star Trek reference, yes. The Borg are a Star Trek reference. I don't know much more about this person. They just, uh, I think it's just the Borg. I would need to, I would need to double check because it, it, depending on the spelling. But yes, the Borg are a very scary race who will assimilate you in Star Trek, uh, kind of like Cybermen in Doctor Who. Yeah, like I keep bringing this up on our podcast. Like we need to stop all these Star Trek references and, you know, get more Doctor Who references. In. But anyway, I tend to digress as they all be deflated. But mm. uh, so we did ask, um, you know, for some feedback about what they're facing. And the Borg got back to us. Um, the Borg had said that he had to remind the, the HSE, which is the health service in the south of Ireland, that the COVID sanitizer are way too high for a wheelchair user to reach. And not everybody has a, has a super chair that can reach to the clouds. Well, that's mm-hmm. one thing I've actually noticed that myself when I've went to hospitals. The hand sanitizer are out of reach for myself and many other wheelchair users. But I'm lucky that I'm one of these high flying wheelchairs that can reach up to the clouds that the board spoke of. I was able to get it, no problem. But you know, I'm I I'm one of the ones that we're lucky in that respect. But people like the Borg and other wheelchair users maybe don't have that type of wheelchair, so they they can't do that without assistance. Mm-hmm. And you know, it can be really um, frustrating because people tend to make assumptions when they're putting things up and claim that something is accessible, but they've not really thought about again how wide and varied the disabled community is. And so it's it's little things like that that can really add up because if you can't reach the hand sanitizer and you can't sanitize your hands and we're in the middle of a pandemic, that can have really serious repercussions. That may not matter, but uh, again, uh, if you have any other feedback, please let us know. But uh, now we're coming near the end of the podcast. So listen, we spoke quite a lot today on our podcast and we covered a lot of ground. Probably anything might end up being one of our longest podcasts. So probably out of everything we spoke about today, what's the one thing you'd like people to to agree with them? Um, I think that basically we're talking about issues of visibility and I think that's the key thing to take away. But I would also like people to maybe really reflect on on carers because we've talked we this is an entire podcast where we talk about disability, but carers generally do go overlooked an awful lot of the time. And, you know, they they deserve thanks for a lot of the, you know, all the work that they're doing, but they deserve to get recognized financially. And the carer's allowance doesn't do that. 
I definitely would agree with that. You know, Dr. Thornton, um, can I just also take the opportunity now in the podcast? Uh, Toussaint Decare is out there, but doing the work, you know, I mean, obviously, a clap in the back is not going to solve all their problems, but it doesn't go on just by us disabled people, and we do value and appreciate everything that they do, and but their work needs to be re- rewarded financially by the government. And I hope that maybe this podcast um, where we can take this, uh, maybe could be one of the steps and make it a reality in the future. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that I would like to take away is because this is all about hidden disabilities for the International Day of Persons with uh, Disabilities, it's just uh, simply don't judge about by cover. It's mm-hmm. just as simple as that. You know, we've all we've been told that by our, our mothers and fathers when we were little children. Don't judge a book by its cover. But when we reach to adult levels, adults around us are judging disabled people how they see them. And because somebody's disability is not visible, they are judged as not disabled enough. And that needs to change because it doesn't matter whether you can see a disability or not. If a person is disabled, they are disabled and they they deserve the same rights, the same care, the same opportunities as people with visible disabilities and people who are non-disabled. So that's the one thing I'd ask people to take away from some. And I'll just reiterate that again. Do not judge a book by its cover. So I think that really covers up everything for today. So for myself and Felicity, I would thank you for listening and we will hope to hear some feedback from you over the next couple of days over some of the topics that we covered during the podcast today. So goodbye for me and goodbye for Felicity. And don't forget, stay safe, look after yourself and most importantly, wear a mask.